From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Probably end up with a rate hike in 2023. At least that's what the market's expecting. And then on tapering the bond purchases, they might signal that's coming at the end of this year. So maybe we get that early next year. The Fed is not going to contribute to you know this latest spike in interest rates. Um, certainly not intentionally. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here along with Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, we lost Jason Hoodie. Jason joined last week and did an awesome discussion um, as it pertains to sustainable investing, ESG, SRI, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Now it's just back to you and I. I feel kind of lonely, but I think we'll be okay, just the two of us. What's your take there? Well, don't tell anybody, but we just wanted to get him out of the way so he wouldn't upstage us. That's yeah. what's really happening. Yeah, he had a lot better facial growth, facial hair growth than we do also. So I thought that was kind of that's kind of nice to mix it up a little bit there. But um, <laughs> um, let's, let's see, Jeff. So there's a lot to discuss this week, as there always is. Something about rates going higher. We're going to talk a lot um, this week in the LPL Market Signals podcast about higher rates. Also, earnings season's pretty much wrapped up. We've, we've talked about earnings periodically the last over a month or so, I guess, but fourth quarter earnings came in historically strong. So we're going to focus a little bit on that. Then we're going to end it with kind of a, you know, what's going on this week, um, some economic data from last week and a little roundup about the Fed. The Fed was in the news last week, like the Fed and, and policy is just about every week. Oh, we also might talk a little bit about the latest fiscal plan as well. But let's just kind of dive in, Jeff, because I think the, the number one question we've received from our more than 17,000 advisors, we'll call it over the past couple of weeks or so, is what does this big surge that we're seeing in yields mean? And then kind of overlay to that, what does it mean for, you know, the portfolios that our advisors run for their clients? So if you are watching on the YouTube channel right now, we're showing the 10-year yield. It soared uh, last week, really the last couple of weeks, it's been soaring, you know, higher potential inflation expectations, stronger than expected economy. There's a lot of fiscal stimulus, like we'll talk about coming, whatever the reason. Rates are going higher, bonds have really been punished, and stocks are holding in there, but they're showing some signs of a little bit of weakness. Jeff, maybe let's start with bonds, and then we'll go to stocks next. Higher rates, as people, most people should know, um, higher yields tend to pressure bond prices as they're inversely related. I did a look at uh, the uh, Treasury. So Treasury, 20-year Treasury, those are longer-term bonds. They're more impacted by uh, moves in rates. And with the, the jumps we've seen in yields, the uh, TLT, for instance, the 20-year Treasury, down 9% to start the year after two months. Jeff, that's the worst start for a long-term bonds since the first two months of 2009. So bonds have really struggled here. What's your take kind of from an investment's point of view on the bond side of things uh, with, with yields and what yields are doing here? Well, you told me we'll get to equities later, but the first thing I think about as well, that's just overweight equities. Right? There you go. That's a good point. Uh, an yeah. underweight You're an bonds. equity strategist. You had to go there first. I don't blame you. <laughs> what, what do you expect, right? Yeah. So, you know, I guess, you know, first we got to think about where bonds were coming into the pandemic, right? I mean, I believe tenure yield started last year um, at around 1.9. So we haven't even returned to where we started 2020 in terms of tenure. When when we were at 1.6 about a year ago in the tenure, we were thinking, wow, that's really low. Yep. <laughs> right. Yes, and we, so now, yes, we now were, we're thinking yeah. that's really high. Right. So you mm -hmm. you know, I think that um that perspective is is helpful. And then you, you know, you also have to think about inflation, right? Um it's really hard to 
to see sustained, sharply higher inflation, given what we've been dealing with the last 10 years, right? Where the Fed was trying to create inflation, a lot of other economies around the world were trying to create, create inflation and they couldn't do it, right? Right. It's been really hard. So, you know, we're gonna have this temporary jolt, but, uh, you know, because of the stimulus and the economic reopening and all of that, but, and that may get us to, you know, 175 on the 10 year yield, which is still our year end target Mm-hmm. at the upper end, maybe even a little above that. Uh, but inflation expectations are going to have to move significantly higher for us to get sustained moves north of 2%. Yes. Now, you know, you look at Bloomberg. Bloomberg does a lot of different surveys. According to a Bloomberg survey of 60 economists, only two are expecting, this is as, at least as of the middle of last week, the number might have moved a little bit, but as of the middle of last week, only two out of 60 we're looking for the t- uh, 10-year yield to be above 2% by the end of 2021. And only four out of 60, we're looking for the 10-year yield to be higher than 175 by the end of the year. So if you think about kind of the pain trade and where a lot of people might not be as positioned, it could be for you know, maybe a little bit higher rates than what's expected. But Jeff, like you just said, now maybe let's go there one more time, then we'll talk about equities. You know, we've been hearing about this for 10 years, right? More inflation, higher rates. We get these pops and then it rolls right back over. You know, kind of tell me why you don't anticipate um, a major surge higher in yields before this year is over, um, you know, relative to kind of what we're seeing maybe from the, the the commodity markets, for instance, which are maybe saying there could be a little bit higher yields uh, based on uh, some of the strength in industrial metals we're seeing. Yeah, the, the key is going to be what the market prices in in terms of inflation mm-hmm. after we get this initial reopening surge, right? So, I mean, we could get some huge increases in, in GDP over the next couple quarters, right? Maybe even double digits. In fact, double digits is probably likely in the second quarter. Yeah. Uh, that may be priced in uh, by late spring. And we might be looking at, uh, you know, slower growth in the second half and then Again, slower growth in 2022. Uh, so, the, you know, the question is: Is this inflation surge temporary uh, or not? And at what point is all of that inflation priced in? Right. Now, you, you know, another angle is: Well, look at international rates. Right, we're still negative rates in Germany, um, Japan, pretty much zero. So, international buyers are going to step in when our rates get higher and buy our treasuries. Right, that caps how fast our rates uh, can move higher we think, right? And then also keep in mind, you know, as rates rise, bonds get more attractive. So in fact, we've talked to fixed income managers recently. This was in Barron's over the weekend, right? Some fixed income managers are t- and big ones <laughs> that, that all of you know uh, are telling us that, you know, when yields get 155, 160, maybe a little higher, right? That's when they're going to jump in and start buying bonds. So uh, that should uh, keep a lid on, um, on increases in treasury yields. Uh, from here as well, in our view. Absolutely shameless plug. I was in Barron's last weekend as well. <laughs> so they'll throw anybody in there. So be careful what you listen to. No, Jesus. Um, so let's, let's, let's a good discussion there, Jeff. I mean, we've talked, like you said, a lot about this. This is These are part of the reasons we thought yields were going to go higher. We thought the economy be getting stronger. It's why we're overweight stocks relative to bonds this year. Always a place for bonds in your portfolio. Um, and did we anticipate quite this big of a surge in, in um, yields or this early in the year? No, not really. But by 
by the end of the year, we thought we'd have these higher yields. And again, it's really impacted bonds. But let's go to part two of this conversation. And that's kind of what's going on in the equity market. Now, you found a neat study from our friends at Bank of America. We'll go there in a second. But the chart that I'm showing, at least on YouTube, is kind of what we said of the real actions happening under the surface, where if you look at growth versus value, the age old battle of growth versus value, we know growth has led for years. And last year, 2020 is one of the widest margins of um, outperformance from growth relative to value we've ever seen in the history of investing. It looks like things could be changing, and this could be playing in some of a higher yield uh, world that we're going to. Jeff, you want to kind of build on why a higher yield might benefit value stocks relative to growth here? Yeah, sure, Ron. So uh, first, when you have accelerating economic growth or accelerating economic growth expectations, yeah. uh, that tends to be good for cyclical value, which really need uh, the economic tailwind to outperform. Mm -hmm. So that's... That's one piece, better growth, which is related to rising interest rates, certainly, and, and more inflation, that tends to be better for cyclical value. Uh, the other side of it is higher interest rates tend to hurt higher valuation stocks, right? These are the, the high flyers, the growth stocks, right? Because more of the value of a growth stock comes from future earnings rather than current earnings, right? The, those future earnings are worth less when interest rates rise uh, for a typical cyclical value stock, you know, an industrial company, maybe a bank, oil and gas producer, right? Those companies, they get more of their value from what's going on right now, right? Earnings in 2021, maybe 2022, that's where they derive a higher percentage of their value. So cyclical value stocks tend to do better uh, when, uh, when interest rates rise. And if you listen to great great points there, if you listen to what we've talked about on the LPL Market Signals podcast for a while, last year we were firmly in the growth will probably do better than value because in a low growth, low inflation world, investors tend to reach for growth and that tends to see outperformance. And now with an economy that's very quickly opening up, we're going to talk about the economic data soon, but spoiler alert, most of it's been really strong, excluding the employment backdrop. But most of the economic data is really saying the second half of this year, maybe not the second half of this year, gee whiz, uh, by the second quarter, things are really starting to open up. And again, that could mean that cyclical value could do well. Jeff, you talk about the reopening trade. Here's just a real world example that just happened to me this morning. So I've been coming to the office here at Fort Mill, South Carolina for a Year, right? Not every single day, but I've been coming in, do, you know, go to my office, shut the door, do Zoom calls, uh, do my day job, you know, nice and peaceful without a dog or kids because anymore I'm talking to several hundred people a day and I can't have that noise. So I like to come in. I've parked in literally the exact same spot every single day for a reason down, down the way, a little extra walk because my theory is when I can't come in and park there, I know more people are coming to work. Just today when I came in, there was a car two spots away. Jeff, I can't tell you the last time there's been a car two spots away. It's just a real small sample size. But if LPL is kind of like a lot of other big companies, more people are all of a sudden starting to show up in the office, it looks like. And again, that's all part of the reopening as more of the vaccines are coming out there. So I just wanted to kind of point that out. Um, so Jeff, let's let's talk about March for a second, and then we'll kind of get to the weekly market commentary. Uh, I'll kind of champion this one, if, if you will. Champion is a strong way to put it, but maybe discuss this one. We wrote about on our blog last week, lplresearch.com. Now, March 
March historically was a pretty good month for stocks. Then a little thing happened last year, um, and I forget. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the the, the uh, COVID nineteen started right, and and we lost twelve percent in the S and P five hundred last year. So you throw that out, it's usually a good month, but it wasn't last year. But still, over the last ten years now, because of that twelve percent drop, which by the way was the worst March since nineteen thirty nine uh, for the S and P five hundred. But it's the second worst month on average the last 10 years, mainly due to that. And since 1950, it's right in the middle, number six. Um, so that's just kind of from a seasonality point of view. And then one more quick thing um, on the YouTube channel we're showing this. We've shared this chart a lot. It's how this bull market has started and looked relative to the two previous best starts to a bull market ever, 82 bull and then 2009 bull. And we shared this chart on this podcast. We said, listen keep following this path. There's a lot of other factors out there. Don't get us wrong. But maybe there's more upside. Now that we've had over 75% rally, give or take, um, those two previous bulls did get a little choppy and a little um, some potential weakness here over five or six months, um, the next five or six months. Just be open to uh, that type of idea. But then going forward um, is interesting. The 82 bull, once you got out of the choppy phase, kind of continued to be weak but the 2009 bull was uh, continued to be strong. So we're obviously watching it closely, but I think the key thing is market's been, I think like, what, what was, I had a number here in front of me somewhere, like over the past month, I think the S&P 500 was up like 1%, yet technology was down, or I'm sorry, energy was up like 15%, right? And technology was down. So it's like, you've got this song and dance going on under the surface, like we just discussed, where there are absolutely still some, some major opportunities. And um, Jeff, at this point, let's talk about earnings then. I just wanted to get that out there. Uh, fourth quarter earnings season just wrapped up. You wrote about it in this week's weekly market commentary. How good were fourth quarter earnings? And even more importantly, what corporate America had to say about the future? Yeah, what great earnings season, Ryan. I mean, I, I'm an earnings bull. I think yeah. I was, you know, might have been one of the more optimistic uh, people out there. Uh, and, and I even thought that a gain was off the table. But we got it. Not, not just right. positive earnings growth, but about 4%, which is, wow. I mean, it's really hard to believe. Um, that's that's about 13 percentage points of upside, which is similar to what we got the last two quarters. You know, it makes sense that in the second quarter of last year that you'd have huge upside because people had no clue. They were guessing, throwing out just really low numbers. Uh, then you got the big upside. Well, it makes sense you'd have big upside in Q3 as well, um, maybe a touch less, which we got. And then we th thought that maybe expectations were in line with reality, right? After you raised estimates significantly two straight quarters, maybe we'll have a smaller upside surprise this quarter. Well, we didn't get that at all. In fact, we got the same massive upside surprise that we've gotten the prior two quarters. These are historic upside surprises. Uh, it, it's, I mean, no accolades are too much. Um, that 13 percentage points upside is tremendous. Uh, and then, you know, we always look at guidance, right? What do companies say about the future? And what they had to say about the future was optimistic enough uh, that, 2021 estimates went up four percentage points, which certainly uh, I didn't see coming and most people uh, didn't see coming. So that's what you see here. Um, focus on the right side of the chart for folks watching on YouTube. Just a few months ago, earnings expectations were up 16% in 2021. Now they're up 24. And that may be too conservative because, um, you know, the number keeps rising, right? And company, the reopening is certainly exceeding our expectation. We've got the J&J &J vaccine now. Um, that is going to significantly increase the number of shots going into people's arms. 
and um, you know, schools here are opening in, in Massachusetts now. Um, this, the world is going to look a lot better in a couple of months, certainly, than it looks uh, right now. And, um, and, and these estimates for 2021 uh, could end up being too low. Companies are just generating a tremendous amount of efficiencies, certainly. Um, and uh, you know, that's boosting profit margins and, and, and leading to the um, dramatic upward revisions uh, in estimates for um, 2021. And certainly the economic data is exceeding all expectations. Um, and um, we might be looking at you know, double-digit GDP growth here. That's, that's just really hard to believe that we're here this quickly. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, so I want to ask you a question here. So we know earnings before the recession started peaked in late 2019. At this point, you know, looking at at least the estimates, it's expected that earnings in 2021 will be above that 2019 peak. Is that, am I correct there? So new record high earnings for this year is over. Is that how we see it playing out? Yes, absolutely. Well above. Wow. Um, I think yep. the number is now over 7% above 2019 if these, um, these estimates end up uh, being hit. By the way, also keep in mind, early in economic expansions, estimates do tend to be too low. So for people worried about, well, you know, companies tend to miss estimates, you know, that you tend to get, uh, you know, overly aggressive estimates early in a year. And that's true, mm -hmm. but early in economic expansions, right? We just came out of recession last fall, right? We think <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, yeah. it's likely that these numbers will be hit or exceeded. Uh, absolutely, uh, truly amazing. I mean, uh, it feels like we've we've been doing well. We do this podcast every week, and we have been for going on almost three years now. And I see we're getting close to 350 total uh, downloads in place. So thank you to everyone who keeps supporting it. Uh, give us a give us a like if you can. Give us a follow and a positive review goes a long way as well. So we really appreciate that. But Jeff, it feels like every week we talk about these things, and we keep saying, you know, it's coming in a little bit better than expected. Coming in a little bit better than expected. And and again, we've been pretty big bulls, I think, for the most part, um, you know, on this podcast, at least from an equity point of view. And it's it's really amazing. Um, so, Jeff, let's we've got about five minutes or so. So that's a, uh, where can, where again can people find that report, by the way, the um, earnings season report that you just put together? Yeah, we, we put all our weekly market commentaries on uh, LPL.com. So you can find it there. Um, I think it's in the media section yep. um, under um, what is it under news? If I'm not mistaken, I'm not there right now, but uh, yeah, it's not yeah. it's not hard to find. No, and it's right actually right on the main page. You go to lpl.com to scroll down a little bit. We've got uh, every weekly market commentary there, and this one you did title. I like this title. If we mention this or not, here comes the earnings boom. That is uh, that is the truth. So that's a great report there. So definitely please uh, check that out, everybody. And again, just another sign. Hey, earnings drive long-term stock gains, and we are seeing a resurgence in earnings of unbelievable. Uh, measures. So, Jeff, you mentioned J&J. &J. Let's talk about that for a second here. Then we'll do a little bit of a Fed roundup and economic roundup of last week. So more vaccine good news, J&J, &J, FDA approved. We now have three vaccines here in the United States um, that'll be in people's arms very, very soon. They said they expect to have 20 million doses by the end of March and maybe 100 million doses in the United States by the middle of this year, given there's, what, 300 and 50 million people or so, but not all of them. Some of them are children that don't need the vaccine. That's a lot of vaccines. And um, you know, some of the most optimistic people are saying we'll have a vaccine surplus you know, by this time around July 4th. Not my prediction, just some of the things I've seen. And with all these vaccines coming, that is, again, some real positive news. Do you have any comments on the J&J &J vaccine before we kind of move forward, Jeff? Just make sure. Well, because it can be stored in a fridge and it's only one shot, 
it yeah. really accelerates the pace uh, at which we can get shots in arm. So, um, yep. you know, April, by the end of April, uh, we'll be, I think, in pretty good shape. Yeah, I know we've got some team members that are getting their shots this week here at LPL. And uh, my mom, who who's stage four breast cancer, she she needs it more, more than some others do. And fortunately, she got hers a couple weeks ago in Ohio. So that's good. We're going to get the second one. I think she did the Moderna one. Um, nonetheless, hey, it's just great that people that really needed her getting it. And then the rest of us can get it when... Um, when it's our turn and it's just just wonderful wonderful news so um so jeff let's talk about last week for a little bit um the fed was in the news once again as <laughs> the fed's always in the news um what um you know it was the like what do you call it the the hawkins the, the by the, the twice a year uh congressional um discussion what's that called the harley hawkins i'm probably way off do you know what it's called by chance well they don't they don't use that term anymore i know uh, hum, humphrey hawkins humphrey hawkins there it I is yeah what it used to be called and now yeah. it's just um you know regular yeah. house yeah, getting, and senate testimony get, getting grilled on tv is what it's called now what um i mean we're kind of getting close to the end of the call or today's podcast but what do you know in a 30 second summary because i don't think he said anything new what, what was your major takeaway from what the fed or at least jerome powell had to say last week when he spoke to congress yeah, and we're going to hear from him again uh, this week. He, he's sticking to his message, reassuring markets that they're going to yep. keep rates low and not taper for quite some time. So, um, you know, maybe, you know, saying 2024 is too late, right? Probably end up with a rate uh, hike in 2023. At least that's what the market's expecting. Probably yeah. I would agree with that. And then on tapering the bond purchases, uh, they might signal that's coming at the end of this year. So maybe we get that early next year, but uh, the Fed is not going to contribute to you know this latest spike in interest rates. Um, certainly not uh, intentionally, not yeah, not anytime I mean, soon. Yeah, exactly. My big takeaway: he's not taking the punch bowl away, and he's not buying what a lot of people were selling that some of these higher inflation readings that we're seeing and some of the manufacturing data pieces it's transitory in the view of the Fed, which means again coming off historical low um, in terms of the economy. That initial surge, of course, you're going to get a little bit more inflation. So he's not too super worried about inflation, which, by the way, Jeff, this just this morning, literally before we started recording this, the ISA manufacturing number came in. We haven't had a great chance to dive in. Headline number was really strong. And what about the prices paid on the inputs? I know you got a chance to dive in for a second. How how um, <laughs> how much are people paying? It looks like some prices are going up there. Oh, absolutely. It was um, well over 80, which is a yeah. huge number. Remember, 50 is kind of steady state. Uh, and the headline index was a little over 60, which is a very strong number, but not like white hot strong. <laughs> the yeah. prices paid numbers mm -hmm. white hot. I think there's some, you know, backlogs and supply chain disruptions and things going on there that are driving prices higher. But uh, I mean, there's no, no doubt prices are going higher right now, right? We, mm -hmm. we all know that. The question is just how sustainable will it be? Uh, what will uh, inflation look like in three to six months? Um, you know, don't don't just draw a straight line from from what we're seeing right now. That's that's, I think, important. Yeah. And I mean, believe me, if you would have told me a year ago, we're in an environment where you see prices paid soaring like that. You've got all the stimulus that's out there. You've got more stimulus coming. Uh, a lot of money being sloshed around. You know, there's some concerns out there also. I would have said that's the perfect environment for gold. 
All right. Most people probably would have gold has been, I think the best way to put it, extremely disappointing. So maybe the action in gold, you could say, is saying maybe there's not as much worry about inflation coming down the road. Like a lot of people think um, when you look at gold, but enough of that. Uh, Jeff, last week, the durable goods number came in better than expected. New home sales up 19% year over year. Consumer confidence came in better than expected. Initial claims was still really high, um, 730,000, but way better than expected. The economic data once again, on the whole, last week was strong. Um, you know, any comments on kind of what we're seeing? Just looks like the reopening's happening. I mean, it seems like it's all kind of coming together. What do you think about last week's economic data pieces we saw? Yeah, very strong. I mean, the, the savings rate in, yeah, in the U.S. is rate. now 20%. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's an extra trillion dollars plus sitting in, you know, our bank accounts, essentially, uh, do, doing nothing and ready to spend uh, if, if we need a bridge to... Uh, full reopening. There's still probably about 10 million people looking for work or feeling like they're underemployed. Uh, so there's a lot of work to, get, to go yet, but man, there's a lot of money sloshing around out there to help people uh, get through what is still a, a, a challenging time. So, you know, it's great to see this economic data come in much better than expected. And, uh, you know, something we'll probably continue to see over the next several months until we get to that boom in uh, second quarter growth. Yeah, exactly. Now, Jeff, maybe the last thing I want to ask you this week, what um, what should investors be te- be paying attention to uh, this week as earnings season kind of winds down? Um, you know, we're in March, Ides of March, besides, I guess you could say, getting ready to watch hopefully a lot. This, I mean, this was all turned around last year, but getting to watch a lot of basketball here in, in a couple of weeks. What's on the, on the investments and economic point of view, what should we, we be paying attention to? Yeah, I mean, normally in, in this environment, we would say the Fed, but we just, you know, Jay Powell speaks on Thursday, but we just heard He from talks him. every day. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not minimizing it. It's like he talks all the time. I mean, you know, it's kind of like you and I, we talk all the time and say the same thing. We just try to, you know, smile a little bit differently every time. Maybe he does the same thing, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe you won't get any big news out of out of Powell. Um, so it probably just goes to the jobs, right? The jobs number on, on uh, Friday is a big one. Probably get... Uh, over 200,000 jobs, at least based on consensus after that week number for January, uh, which I think was 49,000. So, you know, it'll be right. nice to see that ramp. Um, you know, jobs is the one piece of the economic data landscape that's still disappointing and has probably the most uh, ground to make up here. Uh, I mean, unless you want to count like airline travel. So, you know, we got a ways to go on the job market. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, downplay the recovery. It's been incredibly strong, but jobs are just a little bit lagging. And, um, you know, it'll be nice to get a, a string of really strong job numbers here starting in, in February. Yeah. And as we said, I mean, kind of put a bow on it, wrap it all back up. All the vaccines that are out there, a little bit warmer weather. Um, hopefully people can get out there and get uh, definitely get more jobs and, and we can just keep this economic boom, I guess, as we'll call it, uh, keep it rolling. So Jeff, any final comments and I'll bring us home. Yeah, so we referenced that Bank of America study, Ryan. I'll just give the the, yeah. the bottom line numbers. If you go back over the last 70 years and look at when interest rates rose a lot, stocks on average were up about 25%. <laughs> okay. That is PE ratios, you know, the stock valuations came down on average, but stocks tend to like rising rate environments over time. So we might get some jitters. We got some jitters last week, 
But over time, higher growth and higher profit expectations drive interest rates higher, and that tends to be uh, you know, a good environment for stocks. So you're almost saying that rates go up a little bit, yields go up a little bit. It's not really a bad thing for stocks. Isn't that interesting? Because if you paid attention last week, we had some freakouts and some big concerns about that. But again, that's what we try to do at LPL Market Signals, take a bigger look at that. And we'll we'll probably dive a lot more into those, the conversation Jeff just brought up about how rates have done. I, mean, I think I had, it would look like 15 periods is what Bank of America went back 70 years. So extended periods that lasted a while of higher uh, higher 10-year yields. And again, stocks tend to do pretty well in that environment is again, it's, it's looking at potentially higher growth rates coming and stocks tend to like that. So with all that, Jeff, thank you for a great conversation as always. Thank you to all of our continued listeners out there. Thanks to Neil as always for uh, helping us get this past the finish line. And with that, everybody, we will be back next week. And again, enjoy March. March is here. So uh, take care, everyone. See you next week. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarded the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC, insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value. 